you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Yeah, I just put a link in and I had for a little while. I haven't actually looked into this. I imagine maybe you probably have already called uh, to YouTube. Disney World? Yeah. Have you seen it before? No, I've been seeing people do, posting things like this. I so just, there's a bunch of like 360 rides. Yeah. And what I wanted, well, the reason I haven't done it is I wanted to set it up on my, on my um, headset. Yeah. And see how that went. But there's a ton of them. I but mean, it's like I've said before, I can't believe Disney hadn't done it yet. Yeah. You know, themselves. Um, I don't know if this one's a, a approved by them or not, but I, but I thought, you know, even just like the vintage Disneyland, like you got my, you know, they could sell an Adventures Through Inner Space uh, experience for, for Oculus, and I know at least two people who would buy it. Yeah. So, anyway, you want to? Probably begin? three. Three? Well, maybe I don't four. Have an Oculus maybe yet. four. I'm thinking about it. But oh, okay. Then just three. Yeah. I, I didn't Jason get an Oculus? Yeah. Okay. That's that. You're right. Yeah. And Drew has one. So yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah. We know at least three. So yeah. Anyway, hey, this is the Fanboy Planet podcast. This is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and running the board across the way from me, actually across the state from me, Rick Brett Snyder, and welcome. Uh, we're very excited to be talking tonight. It's been a while, uh, for obvious reasons. It's hard to talk about like new comics when you haven't had any, and we're still gonna gonna try to make something out of it. Derek, and, yeah. Any comic you haven't read is new. No, absolutely. You may have seen that. That's what I'm doing. The isolation stack, and uh, going through all the trade paperbacks and, and graphic novels and a few comics that I have accrued over the past year at conventions and stores and so forth, store openings. Um, I'm pulling a lot of stuff off the shelf that it's like I was going to get to it someday, and someday it's is someday. today. Yeah. It is someday. So let us begin by talking about obviously uh, that with no co- with no new comics actually as I think we, we were talking about beforehand, DC is distributing new comics this week, both in comiXology, some digital stuff. And I, it's all the, the stuff right now that would have been from the Walmart 100 page. You know, so those things that were technically reprints anyway, there are a few other books, but they're really limiting how many books they're releasing this week. The problem being, of course, that not every store that would want to sell these books is, is actually legally allowed to right now so it's been somewhat controversial we are obviously shifting the way we are going to approach fandom have to approach fandom this year for 2020 you know i think we've we talked about i think the last time you and i talked comic-con had not been canceled it has right now officially been canceled and they also said WonderCon, and i haven't i'm still holding out man i think in october uh baycon got 
delayed until October. It was supposed to be Memorial Day, but they rescheduled. They were smart, got in there. I'm hoping that we can at least have that in some form or another. I, I, I don't know if those smaller conventions, which could do a better job of keeping a distance, uh, you know, just because the attendance is, is smaller, w- will be open or not. But in the meantime, there have been plenty of virtual conventions that have cropped up online. And you and I were talking earlier today about one virtual fan expo, uh, which can be found on virtualfanexpo.com which is going to be May, i got to do the math, because 9th and 10th, Saturday yes. and Sunday. Yes. Uh, it's, it seems well, – I don't know how it's going to work, and I'm not saying that to be cynical. I just really don't know. As I have said to those who talk to me uh, about uh, – you know, ask me about going to cons and so these virtual cons is the reason I go to cons isn't really the panels. The panels are cool. But, you know, I go to network, I go to meet people, I go, we go to interview people, that kind of stuff. There's a social aspect that I'm not sure that virtual can do for me. That is not to say it wouldn't work for someone else. And especially if you are someone who has never actually gone to a con, a virtual panel is a great idea to get a taste, at the very least. You well, know, I've, so- I've, I've actually experienced everything you just spoken about. Yeah. And uh, I actually, this past week... I went to four conventions. Now, one of them was for writers, and so that was that was mostly I went to watch Phil and Kaja Foglio, Foglio um, who are the uh, creators of Girl Genius Comic. Right, right. Um, they were guest of honor speakers. They were the closing ceremony speakers, and then they did an, an AMA uh, with the audience. So it was live video, and uh, they they basically took questions off of chat from uh, people who were there and answered them and it wasn't that much different than sitting in an audience and doing an ama with with guests of honor at a, at a uh yeah, yeah, that's cool and that is a smaller i mean that would be the kind of smaller uh convention experience not like a comic con necessarily it's not a hall h so the question though that i would have is how was the streaming well okay there were two different types of convention there were zoom based mm-hmm. the cryptozoic did one that was zoom based and they typically had four Crypt- windows cryptozoic largely being gaming so a gaming convention well actually they're they're more uh into their cryptozoic pop- pops and collectible cards they do have some games but i don't think games are the biggest part of their business anymore um, didn't they start as a game company no they've kind of they've kind of um They've kind of been building up the gaming, actually. Oh, um, so the other way around. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that's okay. I I don't have a timeline of their stuff, but that's the impression I've gotten. Could be wrong, um, but they uh, they do they don't have a, a super rich catalog of games, which is why I'm thinking their their other stuff. They've been doing um, these kind of figures called Cryptkins, which are mm-hmm. uh, little monster. Uh, from monsters from mythology or history or whatever. Um, and, you know, some garments and other things along those lines. Uh, but they were, they were actually, they got zoom bombed once they handled it really well. And, uh, that was, they, they had, uh, giveaways during each of the, each of the panels. So if you knew some trivia or wanted to write in and, or make a guess at something, they gave away 
stuff and they had specials going on in their stores so that you could go in and and shop for their merch and get a get a, a con deal on that kind of stuff and so that was a zoom one as was the writers convention um and i went to one of the one of these even smaller conventions was bronze conversations Mm-hmm. Oh, you had uh, told me about that one, which yeah. was a Doc Savage kind of an invitational only thing, but it's uh, it was like a first test. I was actually a speaker at that one. Uh, I repeated a a, uh, uh, a talk I had done about the weirdest the weirdest Easter eggs from uh, from uh, Doc Savage you could ever imagine, and they got an encore for that. Uh, but then the last one that I went to was two days of Steve Jackson games. Um, and they did theirs on discord, which is, which is primarily a, a chat, both texting and, uh, and, uh, and audio chat. My son platform. uses it. Yeah. Yeah. You, a lot of kids run it in the background while they're playing a game so right. they can talk back That's and forth. That's exactly how he uses it. Yeah. But I've seen, I've seen many things being done on discord that have been, more business-like or uh, you know just social organization stuff that have nothing to do with games, and so that was so the platform that it was that was housing it was limited to those two technologies. But whenever they wanted to go to a video, they would publish a link in the chat to a YouTube oh. video. So everyone would just go off and watch the YouTube video for fifteen minutes, and then everyone would come back. And so it didn't matter that the that the platform was limited. You could link out of it to something and come back to it. And you could because uh, it was Discord, you could leave it running all the time. People could be you could hear the other channels or be reading the mm-hmm. the, uh, the chat while you were watching this other stuff. So which kind of opened my eyes to like the platform doesn't really have to be all encompassing. Having Facebook be the 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 host doesn't mean everything you're going to do has to happen in Facebook. No, that's true. And so, so you, you can go off to other other one. ones for like breakout rooms and stuff. So uh, that'll roll into the other one that uh, we we got news of today. Uh, this is uh, we're recording Sunday, April 26th at night. Uh, there's an alt free comic book day or they're calling it just free comic day. Alt FCD uh, for Friday and Saturday, the second and third of May. Uh, sorry, the first and second. My apologies. Uh, the first and second uh, will be uh, available those two days, and they're both they both have PDFs of digital comics that they'll be giving away for free to make up for this weekend. Upcoming weekend would have been pre comic book day, and an interesting main stage of panels, hourly live interviews. Some of the people are, are people that I know well from conventions, and this is again kind of my. My disappointment of, of normally I get to see them once or twice a year at conventions, and I'm always happy to. Marv Wolfman will be speaking, uh, Cecil Castellucci, Shannon Eric Denton, Barbara Randall Casel, uh, Kevin Eastman, and David Avalone will, with Ben Bishop and Troy Little, will be talking about Drawing Blood. Uh, that's their book. Uh, my friends Dan Wickline and Hannibal Taboo will be talking about Getting Press. Uh, they didn't. Uh, send us a, a press release on that, though. That's interesting. I'm just being funny. Uh, but it's true. Uh, Richard Starkings will be talking on Saturday. Uh, he'll have the keynote. And let's see, who who else is here that we might know? Jonathan Mayberry is going to talk about working wow. with Hollywood. 
and Sandy Carpenter from Storm King Productions. And this is an interesting little thing because I uh, we really haven't talked about Storm King, but there but it's John Carpenter's comic book imprint, and it's actually been. I don't know that I've I've seen it in a, a couple of stores, but I have a couple of friends that are writing for it, and you know I, I'm hearing really good things about it. So I got to, it is not going to be one of my current, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, isolation reads, but it's one that I, I will be looking forward to picking up in, in the future. Uh, there are there's also a creator stage, so among the people that we know are of course David Avalone and uh, David Papos who's been on the podcast a few times so uh, and many others uh, a guy from uh, is who's been doing the same I, I'm down blanking on the the company that puts out Spencer and Locke uh, they're a great imprint uh, but uh, so uh, Ryland Grant and I've read some of his books they're terrific so it, it's uh, it's it's an interesting alternative. So I just want to see it. You know, I, I don't know how it'll all turn out. We're all trying to figure out ways to still connect and still be part of fandom and, and supporting each other. And, you know, so it, it's interesting. Spencer it's just, Locke is Action Lab. Action Lab. Thank you. I just blanked on it because I don't have yeah. any copies of Action Lab around me. Normally, I've got this big array of books and I don't tonight. But, that sounds like a great crowd because, I mean, a lot of those names were really active in Alternative Press Expo, the live convention yeah. that was in San Francisco, and then Slave Labor Graphics brought it down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So th there's that. Uh, you also just brought up that there's a virtual Disney World. Should people want to uh, ride <laughs> the rides in 360? Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to that. We'll certainly include that link here. And yeah, so... There's that. I do. I forgot to bring this up. You know, we attempted. We didn't attempt. We succeeded in doing a live stream interview on YouTube, which is on hosted as well on Fanboy Planet with Christopher Paul Carey when we were talking about the Edgar Rice Burroughs universe. And I had a, I got a question emailed afterwards because this person tuned in a little late, and did, and I had failed to repeat that. Oh, we'll have a Q and A. You know, if you want to just type in your questions, go ahead. So. Andy Mead, who used to be the owner of Brian's books, not Brian, but Andy, uh, wrote in, and so I, I do want to talk about this because I because I he was up. actually the owner of Fanboy Planet Comics. Well, that name change never actually happened, so <laughs> I you know we can say that, and I like to, but it's not true. You know, it just really isn't. But it's nice. Nobody knew that was the name. It was a secret name for two months. Anyway, uh, it. He did ask that with all this Edgar Rice Burroughs universe stuff, that his remembrance of John Carter of Mars is that John Carter was still being held prisoner by the skeleton men of Jupiter. And so I did, how did he get off the planet? And so I did ask Christopher Paul Carey afterwards, what did we just miss a book? And so far, here's the truth. There is not an in-canon explanation yet, but it is something that will be alluded to in the Barsoom novel that's part of the Edgar Rice Burroughs first super arc, uh, and then they're looking at actually finishing up down the road. That's, not, again, not a promise. That's uh, They will allude to it, which I think, again, was what was great about the Carson of Venus book, was that there were allusions to several adventures without taking you away right, from the right, one right. you were at. So, that so is, they agree it's a 
it's a great idea for a story. Yes. So that brings up this point. You know, if there's anything we talk about here and you can't get to your local brick and mortar store and they cannot deliver, many of your local comic shops can still deliver, even if they can't, you know, they can ship to you, even if they cannot uh, be open and you can't actually shop there and look the way we normally normally would have. But if you can't, if you're not in that situation and you, and you, you want something that we talk about, you know, you can, of course, order it through Amazon. We are affiliated with Amazon. So any link that you follow through or the te- or the search box that's to the right of every page on Fanboy Planet, we get a small kickback there. And, of course, again, Andy Mead emailed me. So, you know, if you want to donate through these times or better, yeah, just, just get in contact. You know, you can donate at PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com, but really questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. We were just talking about Facebook for a con. You can certainly follow us on Facebook. That's Fanboy Planet. You can follow us on Twitter, Fanboy Planet, and Instagram at Fanboy Planet. And now I do want us to talk about that isolation stack issue here. Is there one thing that in the last couple of weeks, because we talked to Chris a week and a half ago, um, is there one book that, and not novel, because I know what you've been reading, uh, but but comic or, or graphic novel or trade paperback that you've been like, I should have, you know, I should get to that. And now is the time that you've picked up? Why, yes, there is. Oh, fantastic. And I've read several novels in the last couple of weeks, not just the one that you're doing. <clears throat> no, I know. Um so and and if I if I could, you know, we were we were talking about Christopher Christopher Paul Carey and one of the he he's written a number of books and one of the the presses that he writes for is Meteor House Press. Yeah, and they've just published two. Um, they, they've just not published, but they're taking pre-orders for two books, both by Philip Jose Farmer, both very rare. Um, one I is saw called. That. A Rough Night for the Queen, which is a um, a story about it's a novelization of the life of Richard Fra- Sir Richard Francis Burton, who is also the hero of the Riverworld series, also yeah. by Philip Jose Farmer. And then the other the other book that uh, that they've uh, been right they they've been uh, pre ordering now is Up from the Bottomless Pit which again is actually an unpublished, uh, generally unpublished. It was serialized in, uh, in one of the farmer fanzines. And if you were to buy all the fanzines, it would cost you over a hundred dollars if you could find them. And so that book is, is coming out, uh, is, is uh, they're taking pre-orders on those now. Both are, you can get paperback versions of both for like 18 bucks each or less. And probably um, eBooks. Uh, they haven't announced the eBooks. They have hardcover versions of the A Rough Night for the Queen, just a paperback of Up from the Bottomless Pit. Well, now that reminds me of a question. Have but you that thought- was that was the company that that when we last met, we were talking about all their eBooks are on sale for like three dollars a piece. Right. So, but back to uh, Carson and Venus, the Edge of Time, uh, or. Is that what it's called? The edge, no, the edge ed- of all worlds. Edge of all worlds. Sorry, that I, I read that so fast, loved it, and worried about that a week ago, uh, which seems like a month ago. Uh, the edge of all worlds. I know that they were sending out their their hardcover pre ordered editions. Have you right. received yours yet? I have not received mine yet, okay. but I put 
I upgraded to the limited edition one at the last minute. Ah. And, and so I'm if they're if they're a good publisher, I got bumped way back in the orders order list because okay. that's what you should do. You should give the people who ordered first should get theirs first, and I don't okay. have any problem. I know. No, get, I just I was. I know I'll get mine and eventually. So, but it yes. does look. There are people have been putting pictures of it up online. It looks great. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, I'm hoping then that it's waiting for me uh, at the address that I had it shipped to, and I right. relocated since. So you know. But I, to I, the so, question you asked me. Oh, you are so clever in your diversions. My God. <laughs> um, I pity Justin. Okay, go ahead. I went to my stack, to my reading stack, which my immediate reading stack is now probably about 15 inches tall. Yeah, and, I've never photographed it for the site, but I should. Yeah. Um, it has at times been threatening to teeter. Um and I went through looking for what's the what what am I furthest behind on these? Um and the the what I found out what is I was really far behind on Spider Man, on the amazing Spider Man. Um and so I caught up with uh probably a good thirty issues. Um and what I have to report is that the first parts of it were were um Spider Man dealing with some pretty nasty things ending up with uh there's a there's an as of yet unnamed villain who keeps showing up in the in the shadows in the background you know and and he's they still haven't exposed who he is he was it's the chartreuse goblin well he's 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 a kind of a wraith-like looking guy in a leather leather banded outfit with bandages all over his face they, you know, a lot of people say oh it's like it's like hush and i'm like i don't know those are really bandages because he also has these centipedes these huge centipedes that like hang on his shoulders like parrots you know like a pirate would have a parrot mm-hmm. there he's mm-hmm. got a, the centipede and he's really creepy and he's super powerful um like supernaturally powerful um invading people's dreams and stuff too so all this was hanging about all these big ugly stories and then they had the whole the whole um, carnage, car, the latest carnage, whatever that was, yeah. And Man. I, uh, carnage is a character I just don't like. I mean, I really don't like it. Then you're not going to like the movie news, but go ahead. The 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 thing about carnage is so much blood flows out of people that they could not possibly go on living. That there's it's just it's just absurd. And people who are lacerated and bleeding, and then the next scene, they're they have they have nothing bad, nothing. No, not even a bruise on their face. I just, I just don't buy those stories. So I got past all that, and what I'm in now, the last twenty, fifteen or so issues, have been a return to stories that are smaller. It's more. It's almost like the Flash in the days in in the days when they focus on the rogues, and and these are like the the characters like oh I don't know the Beetle, the Beetle who's now a woman. And a bunch oh, yeah, of yeah. a bunch of a bunch of female characters around that about around that class, and Peter now has two roommates. One of them is a somewhat reformed boomerang. Now this is boomerang from the Marvel universe, not the DC universe. And boomerang's kind of a he's kind of a kind of a funny bro kind of like guy. Um, and his other roommate unbeknownst to everyone except for a couple of issues ago it all got exposed was dating the new female beetle so it's like parker can't catch a break 
on getting on his roommates. Um, but these, these smaller stories have really sucked me in. I'm really enjoying Amazing Spider-Man right now. And it's going to, I'm, I'm running down to the last couple of issues before the break. And it, there was, there was a nice three issue arc with J. Jonah Jameson, who is now working for a, uh, like a new media company and J and Jameson is now, he now knows that uh, Spider-Man is Peter Parker. He has for a while, yeah. And he he is on Parker's side and really wants to change people's opinion of Spider-Man. He's like his biggest fan now. and But they still get in fights, mostly about how they both acted before all this. And there's like a three-issue um, arc where Peter and Jonah sit down at a desk and do a podcast. Which I just I I obviously I love that, um, so I mean the the I'm I'm really enjoying this kind of return to smaller stories, because I don't I don't really buy Spider he's the friendly neighborhood Spider Man I don't I don't like huge stories around him. I like his his things that move his story along not that put his story on the sidelines where he has to ignore everybody he would normally interact with and go off and fight some cosmic badness. So, no, I I agree, and that's that like kind of the crossover stuff. So, what I turn to is very friendly neighborhood. It's not Spider Man though. This is something that I picked up, and it's been out for looks like five years. And this is what I'm going to miss about going to Comic Con this summer is is usually if I like a book, I buy one volume at the convention, and then I go the next year I'm going to buy directly from that creator again. And this would be Daryl McDaniel's better known as DMC and it's his, and it's his comic called DMC in which he has basically cast himself as a vigilante superhero in in Brooklyn and fighting street level villains some with some superpowers some not so much and what i loved about this is that he put together four or five issues and the version the edition that I have that I bought from him last summer is done like a Marvel treasury edition. So he's collected, oh. uh, let's see chapter four. So five, yeah, five, five issues together and it's, it's beautiful, so, oversized and fun. Oh, so it, it's oversized. It's, it's like, yeah, like a Marvel it's like treasury 18 edition. inches tall, like those buck 50 books yeah, or yeah. dollar, you know, we bought in, in the seventies and, yeah. You know, so it's thicker cardstock on the cover. It's really, he's got some great artists going. He's mixed up the art depending on kind of not quite whose point of view it is, but really, I guess so. You know, who's narrating the story and it's, it's tackling the most people. He's like an urban myth and, you know, he's in a track suit. And you can't see his face, but he's got powers, you know. And so it's it was fun, strictly fun comics. And the reason I bought it was because I'd gone to Michael Davis's Black panel last summer, and, D- and Daryl was on the was on the panel, and Michael stood up and said, "Daryl, you're doing some of the best comics out there right now." And so I went to his booth and I said, "If Michael Davis says you're doing some of the best comics out uh, right now, it it must be true, and I got to check it out." And then it went on my shelf. And a year later, well, not quite a year later, 10 months later, 
nine months later, I'm finally taking it off the shelf and reading it and having a fantastic time with it. It's just a great, great book. I don't know if it's available on Amazon. I'm going to look for look for a website, see if you can order it directly from him right now. Um, he and I had talked last summer about how it, it, it doesn't seem like it's been a particularly well-publicized publisher, but it is really good classic superhero comics. The same reason like I love Apama, The Undiscovered Animal. If you want to rediscover the joy you had or you want to give that joy to a new reader, this is the kind of book that gets them into you know what superheroes are and they're not coming from marvel or dc they're coming from independent creators who grew up inspired by the works of people like sal basima john bashima you know uh, john romita and in fact uh, sal basima does one of the covers because you know daryl grew up with him so anyway that's my recommendation let's talk a little bit about movies because there are still superhero movies being planned a lot of them have blinked i mean obviously everything's been pushed back Black Widow should have opened Friday, uh, two days ago. It did not. Obviously, it's been pushed to November. Everything's getting pushed back. Sony just in- announced that the next two Spider-Man movies were being pushed back, which means that all the rest of the MCU has to be pushed back because they're tightly plotted around. Whatever the secrets are, I think the only one that is not going to be connected so tightly to it to a Phase 5 or Phase 4 is Black Widow, because obviously Natasha is alive in that one, so it has to have taken place before Endgame. So everything else, though, moving forward, and this also includes their uh, Into the Spider-Verse 2, will be pushed back a little further. And, you know, so we don't know. And yet at the same time, last week, Universal Pictures announced, Universal Studios announced that they are working on developing... The Green Hornet. So we have information on that on Fanboy Planet. On Friday, late broke the news that Chris Pine is in talks to play the saint for a a new film franchise, which I'd like Chris Pine to have his own. I'm happy that he's Steve Trevor. I'm happy that he's he's James T. Kirk, although who knows if that will ever happen again. Maybe not. But the saint, I've never seen Val Kilmer's version. And it just, because it just felt, from the from the concept, so not like the saint that I knew, grew up reading and watching Roger Moore play on TV. So I don't know. What you know, it's one of those where I admit, throw my hands up and say, I've never seen it, so I can't judge if that was a good film or not. I know it didn't do well, but that doesn't necessarily mean a thing. I want to make a prediction. Yeah. Okay. It's not a long walk, but it, it takes a little bit. So Picard has been such an un- really actually an unexpectedly huge success yeah for uh for CBS um my prediction is there will be no more stories in the Kelvin universe that, that we makes will, sense but that makes we sense will, to we me we will go back to the the TNG universe um where and- we've where we got discovery and Picard and they've they've opened up whole new areas to write well, stories. I, I mean, I'll tell you, every time somebody publishes a rumor, and there are a lot of sites still doing that, just like making up stories, and it's a wish fulfillment, but hey, you know, for how many months did you say, I want Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it did finally happen. So I, I don't blame them. But every time someone publishes 
that there's going to be a Pike and the on the Enterprise series, I get super excited because yeah. I so want to return to that crew. I want to see Anson Mount. I know where it's going to end up, sure, but I want to see Anson Mount. I want to see Rebecca Romaine, and I want to see Ethan Ethan Peck as Spock. Again, I want to see those adventures, even though I know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I, you know it, it's so I'm, I'm with you. I don't see a need for that. The interesting thing, though, right now is this question. Now, there are still some movies on, on the schedule for Jul- July and August. AMC announced they're not going to reopen until as a chain until they know for sure that Hollywood is ready to release some blockbusters. They don't see a value in doing independent cinema right now. I mean, it's it's like everything in this world where you say this didn't just come out of nowhere. Really, AMC was making its money off the blockbusters and their independent cinema stuff was a courtesy. Right. But the But the real challenge right now with a movie theater is, aside from you pretty much probably can only sell half as many tickets – because you need to have, we'll have to have distancing things in place for public events like that for going to a movie. But are you going to buy popcorn from a concession booth unless, you know? No. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't thought about it at all. And then I read an article saying that. And I went, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know that I could trust that. If I could pop my own corn, maybe, and maybe that's a new experience, come back and uh, open your own, uh, you know, buy your own Orville Redenbacher packet and put it in the microwave here, maybe. But I don't, you know, even then, it seems a little sketchy unless we're allowed to bring it from home. So, you know, the whole experience is about to change, and I don't know, you know, because I, I don't see a time where the normal see we experienced before is going to come back in the same way. And so movies again are going to change. Like you have an Oculus. If everybody has an Oculus, not everybody will, but you put a film on, on your Oculus and it looks like you filled the room. Yeah. You put a virtual theater in. I hate to say it, you know, maybe that is just the way it's going to be. Maybe AMC should invest in Oculus. The, the only thing that doesn't feel like it being in a big theater is the resolution. The resolution is a little low for such a big screen. But it, you feel like you're sitting in front of a huge screen. Well, and I, I you know, said it before, if you have a 65-inch or 70-inch screen and they're getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, well, just don't put yourself too far back and it can feel that way. Darken the yeah. room. I, you yeah. know, I, I, I don't know. I do want to say, as I mentioned, you would hate the movie news. Uh, Sony did announce, of course, that there will be Venom 2, directed by Andy Serkis, is in post-production. And that, I mean, that's the thing, too. You mentioned earlier today, talking about animated films. Uh, Like I said, I don't know what Pixar is doing with Soul, which was scheduled to come out in June. But, you know, the thing with animation, I think we may see an animation boom, because that doesn't have to slow down. Right, because a lot of what anime, you know, what an animation production would do can be in individual rooms. But obviously, already in production. But Netflix just released a new stand- standalone complex movie. I mean, a, a new Ghost in the Shell, SAC twenty forty five. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So I think there's still going to be things in the pipeline, and I've got a couple of friends in animation that I'm going to ask about that and follow up. But I think that's we're going to see a boom. Because actors are going to want to work. That's 
a good short-term solution. I'd love to see live action back, but people are a little concerned. But post-production on Marvel and DC, anything that's shot already, you know, the post like James Gunn has said, nope, the Suicide Squad will not be delayed because I can sit in my house and work on editing with an editor remotely. And it's, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 might be pushed back because we can't begin production. But let's cross that bridge when we come to it. But, you know what's so, funny? What? Um, live action films that are already into post-production can still do uh, callbacks because they can bring in one person right. to shoot and then digitally edit them back into the scene. You know, you know what I've been thinking is I, I forgot to you know, finish this basic story, which is Venom 2 is officially called Let There Be Carnage. Because we'll mm. be focusing on Carnage, yeah. uh, but but Maximum Carnage was clearly a title they wanted to save for three, I guess, um, and and I my interest got lost. But I was thinking that the the movie that will really show us the way there are, there are probably two or three. First, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, which was shot, you know, all on just basically green screen with with props and everything was digitally built around them. Yeah. That was years ago. It was not one of my favorite films, but it was very forward-thinking in its technology. But I think we can transition a little bit to television right now because Disney Plus is going to, next month, which is really next week, is going to start running a behind-the-scenes documentary series on The Mandalorian. And a lot of The Mandalorian was shot virtually. And so John Favreau, whether you like or not John Favreau's work, he's using the technology that may show the way. Yeah. The Jungle Book was one. That entire the, that entire oh, yeah. film was shot on a soundstage. Yeah. And uh, and the other one is The Lion King was shot with VR cameras. I still don't understand how that works. Well, but, it was not the first one. I mean, the first one was uh, was Avatar. Mm. I forget Avatar because I was so bored by it. Yeah, but, Avatar was the whole tank with the. Uh, it was like a fish tank where they dropped the VR tank, uh, VR cameras into and could move okay, them around. Okay, so then all due respect to James Cameron. So there are two filmmakers that have shown the way. That uh, uh, I think more and more production is going to be that way, but we will have to accept that there will be a lot of films that might have been a little more intimate uh, that will maybe as not every studio is up to snuff or maybe VFX artists will become even more in demand as the, the work needs to get more and more realistic. You know, you know, what's crazy about all this. Um, Sky captain came out in 2004, mm-hmm. five years later, only five years later, avatar. Wow. And now we're 11 years past that. And we're doing, I mean, they do live action stuff and they have, like I was watching um, some stuff about Marvel's, uh, the, the Marvel Cinema Universe. And they were showing all this all this stuff from like the the pre-pre shots, ones that have had no effects done on them. And even, even when they're in costume and they're doing live action, they still have those little white dots on them because there's going to be some element that's going to no, be absolutely. added to it, like Thor's cape. Well, you know, the reality is Tom Holland did not know what his costume actually right. looked like until right. he saw the trailer. Right. Partially because they couldn't trust Tom Holland not to spoil <laughs> it. But, you know, there's that. So that's it's all. It's metal. It's all talking about the future. 
Let's talk a little bit about TV because there are two projects coming up that in the next couple of weeks that are going to be exciting for us all. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, which of course Rick and Morty returns next week, right? At, at or, least one new episode. At least, well, no, I think five new episodes. They'll be okay. running each week, so that's good. I was very excited two weeks ago. Uh, what we do in the shadows returned to FX, oh, that's cool. and and I love 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 that show. That is so funny. Uh, CW or DC Universe and the CW will be first on DC Universe running Stargirl. And I want to pronounce that correctly because you don't want to be confused with DC plus, uh, Disney Plus's Star Girl. Uh, I finally figured out the difference. It was there was a kerning problem in the logos. <laughs> so yes, so DC's version, which is based on Stars and Stripe, created by Jeff jo- Johns and Lee Motor back in uh, the 1990s. Uh, so she's she's called she's the Star Spangled Kid in that one. She becomes Star Girl in this show is one word it'll be shown on dc universe one day and then will be on the cw the next the dc universe version will be a little bit longer a little more content in it so we'll see i I don't know if i'll have the time to compare but uh that will be interesting anyway so that's one word and the disney one based on a novel the disney movie is two words star girl but again the way the logo looks is one word and most people really aren't going to be able to you know, care about the difference in logos. Just, you were talking about the Grace Vanderwall one, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, I actually, I, I haven't sat down to watch Because you would ask me about that, and I said, you know, I, I don't I don't know why they're both called. One's a novel, one's a comic book character, and I don't think Courtney had been, it's only been in the rec- in recent years, maybe the last decade, that Courtney has been a character called Stargirl. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, so yeah, the, the great, the Disney plus plenty more, you know what I, we also just discovered this is a time to, to start rediscovering their old anime, not old, but their recent animated series, like for D- Disney XD, we just started watching big hero six, the series. Oh yeah. I've, yeah, I've seen a couple of those. It's really good. It's, yeah. you know, and, uh, the legend of the three caballeros and, uh, caballeros, sorry. And, uh, what else have I discovered? You know, and I've gone back into gargoyles cause I missed it the first time around. So that's cool. You know, there is plenty of content not to, you know, also say at the end of May, HBO max launches. That's where Rick and Morty will be all of it. Uh, that's where doom patrol season two will come back. It will also be on DC universe, but if you, ha- but there's, there's that one. All the DC uh, Extended Universe movies will be there. All the HBO stuff. There's still a couple of other things that are coming. And and they are developing a lot of DC shows that are not going to be on the CW and that are not going to be on DC Universe, including uh, Strange Adventures, which will be an anthology series exploring different heroes that they, they weren't pretty yep. sure, sure would be a full, you know, worth a full series. But there will also be a Green Lantern Corps. So I did do you, think – Go ahead. Did you – did you see um, Doolittle? I did. I reviewed it on Fanboy Planet. Oh, I didn't. I didn't remember. Sorry. Did no, you like it, it? It, it, it's it's a movie that's trying too hard to be too many things. Oh, okay. I, I, you know, no, I, I enjoyed some of it, and I really liked the idea of a Doolittle that had to be pulled out of retirement, if you will. Um, and some of the voice acting was fantastic. Oh, so. yeah. 
Yeah. No, I was I was very pleased with Robert Downey Jr. and the you know, the whole thing of like how are we going to not think of him as Tony Stark and he totally shook it like within five minutes of being on the st- on the screen. So. Yeah, but I I I didn't think it was a particularly compelling. I think there's still and it's frustrating to me. I think there's still a compelling Do- Doctor Doolittle movie to be made. I I don't think that was quite it, and I was hoping that maybe there'd be a continuing adventures, but it it bombed, and I completely understand why. Yeah. You know, if if the if they had had the courage to just make the family film or the children's film without a lot of poop jokes, without reaching up into the drag, you know, the dragon. Yeah, like the this. dragon thing was like, yeah, yeah, which was Downey's idea. Uh, you know, so it's that kind of stuff where I was like, uh, it, the tone varied. Very but widely. that's that's sadly enough. I mean, that's what vets do. I don't care, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Like, All creatures great and small, man. I don't care. So if you've got any comments, questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. We thank you for spending this time with us. And, you know, you have a lot of choices. And, I, and I'm really grateful that you, you might enjoy the conversations that Rick and I have. Well, if you've got made it this far, you enjoyed it. I hope you did. So talk back to us. Go to you know Facebook or go onto the site and which, whichever. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers for, for good. good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.